Welcome into After Hours. I am Rob Brenton, filling in for Dusty Likens today, taking you up. Big marathon today, show. Six to seven before K-State pregame takes over as the Cats take on the Cyclones tonight in a Big 12 battle. Jerome Tang and co. taking on the Farmageddon rivalry, the Iowa State Cyclones. As I mentioned, Dusty Likens will be back tomorrow. You'll get Arrowhead Pride Radio with him and Pete Sweeney, and then you'll get Multiple hours of after hours, but with only one hour until K-State, I got the reins today. You can catch me on the drive every two to six producing for Carrington. And now today you get a bonus hour of me again, taking you up to K-State. Thanks so much for listening to after hours here. It's rare. It's odd. It's something I didn't anticipate. My job is to kind of be on top of these things, work ahead. That's my nine to five is be ready for the next step. But I'm not going to lie to you when... I was kind of plotting the drive for today and Dusty came to me and Speck Kennedy and said, Hey, you're going to have to do six to seven because just stay in. I, I never thought in my wildest dreams, you know what we're going to do? We're going to lead with the Kansas city Royals, the AFC championship games in what five days. And there were just a Patrick Mahomes injury, his ankle, he's hobbled. I mean, it's the rivalry. It's Joe Burrow. It's, it's everything. I'm going to open with the Royals. I would have never in my wildest dreams thought that's the case. But lo and behold, here I am. The Royals are making January moves, and I have to open after hours with the Kansas City Royals. They have made two moves. One that we'll get into a little later, they traded Michael A. Taylor, their center fielder, to the Twins. Two, and I think the one that has most fans' attention, they have moved often injured, much maligned, fan lacking in favorite, for lack of a better term, Adalberto Mondesi, today to the Boston Red Sox for a left-handed relief pitcher. Now I'll get into Taylor here in a minute. Cause I think this is a sign of a larger thing. The Royals are doing this offseason, which actually has me excited. I think it's a little late in the game to be doing this pitchers and catchers are reporting in basically a month, but that's not here or there. We'll get into that part here in a little bit, but let's start with Mondesi because Mondesi was probably the most polarizing athlete in Kansas city, not named Mahomes in the last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. He was everywhere people wanted to talk about sports. Everyone wanted to talk about Mondesi because he was a hot prospect in 13-14 when the Royals were on their come up and they were going to be a World Series team. He was on the World Series team in 2015, albeit for only an at-bat, but he was put on the World Series roster by Dayton Moore. He was 20 years old. The hype was real. It was go time. Adalberto Mondesi, then Raul Mondesi. And then in 2016, he made his debut for the Royals and he showed flashes of that speed and 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, so on and so forth. He was the most polarizing player, not named Mahomes in Kansas City. That tenure, that run came to an end today as the Royals traded him to the Boston Red Sox for a left-handed relief pitcher. Now, because he's so polarizing, because he's so disliked, because he's such an enigma for lack of a better term. I think most Rose fans looking today and they're happy. They're happy because they don't have to hear about people like me and people like Carrington and people like Vern and Dusty, who's usually on this show and Bink and Nick and Cody and gold. I can name the whole roster here at 610, Bob, Josh, B-dub, whatever you want to hear. Sell you on. If Mondesi's healthy, he's an MVP candidate when he's healthy. I could pull up numbers 
And it's fun with sample sizes. It's fun with endpoints. Man, this little 60-game window, man, was he great here. Oh, in 2020, once he really started cooking and got healthy, man, in the Rona year, that second half, that 25 games, boom, I could pull numbers after numbers after numbers to highlight this fact. But I'm not going to waste my time or your time with that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say good for the Royals and good for the city. It's good for the and good for Adalberto Mondesi. It's the trade where everyone wins. This is the epitome of everyone needing a clean slate. Everyone. The Royals need a clean slate. They could not go in to another season saying, you know, if we get a healthy Adalberto Mondesi or, hey, we're going to walk back our Adalberto Mondesi expectations, but you know, he's still this great talent and da, da, da. you can't have him in spring training. You can't have those things because it only reopens the conversation. You as the Royals need to get away from that. The fan base, he has been their whipping boy since 2016 because he's never lived up to that expectation, that hype, that buzz that we saw in 2015. They need to get away from Adalberto Montesi. They can't go into a season saying, yeah, we got Bobby Witt. That's fun. MJ Melendez looks like that guy. Salvador Perez and Montesi. If Mondesi was on the roster on opening day, just on the roster, the day before, the show on the drive would have been me and Carrington taking calls, and you guys would have been upset that Mondesi was still on the roster. He needed the reset. The Royals needed the reset. The fans need the reset. He needed the reset because I think at a certain point, the message gets stale, just people turn on you, whatever terminology you want to use. People just eventually wear out and I think it was never going to work for him here and I think the relationship maybe not toxic was trending toxic and he needed a break everyone wins the Royals got an asset back I don't think it's a great asset but it's a left-handed mill reliever if he becomes something great maybe you turn and burn him he's under club control maybe you keep him he's part of the next run whatever may have you I don't know the, ne- the plan for that kid, but he's fine. He's a player in return. The Adalberto Montesi trade is a clean slate for everyone, and I'm happy the Royals did that for him, the fans, and for them. Now, on to the Montesi trade and really the Michael A. Taylor trade, along with some news and notes we've seen leaking around with the Royals today because Based on everything you read and hear about the Kansas City Royals, despite the fact it's January 24th, we're past Martin Luther King Day. We're basically past the hot stove. They've turned the stove on and off. The Mets kind of sort of signed Correa and then didn't sign Correa and then kind of sort of signed Correa and now he's a twin. The hot stove is off. But the Royals have just started cooking. They traded Michael A. Taylor, they traded Alberto Mondesi. I think what the Royals are doing, albeit a little late in the offseason game, is really, really smart. They are brooming anyone that appears to have a connection to the Dayton Moore era. They are showing with their moves that it is J.J. Piccolo time. There is no more conversation that we had this time last year of who's, who's really in charge. Dayton's the president, but J.J.'s this guy. Who, who's really making the moves? Who's who's making the decisions? You know, it, there was the manager, Mike Matheny, who Dayton had hired and who is now reporting to J.J. It was, the power structure was confusing. None of that anymore. J.J.'s ship. J.J.'s manager. J.J.'s new pitching coach. J.J.'s new player development. It is J.J. time in Kansas City. 
And he is now decided here's my vision for the 2023 team. And he is pushing out old players. Mike, Michael A. Taylor did not need to be on this roster blocking at bats for drew waters. I know it would have happened if he was on the roster. It would have been a May game. I would have been on Twitter watching the game, and Royals would have been like, ugh, Michael A. Taylor has three ABs. Where's Drew Waters? You know how every year in the Dayton Moore era we found a random utility infielder to hate because he was blocking a, a prospect? Chris Owings is a name that comes to mind. You guys hated Chris Owings. Chris Owings was everyone's least favorite Royal in the history of Royals. It's a throwback name for you. Michael A. Taylor was going to go that path. And he didn't need that. The Royals didn't need that. They want ABs for Drew Waters. Time to go, Michael A. Taylor. There are rumors. There are reports from Bob Nightingale. The Royals are also trying to move Hunter Dozier. Same thing. Hunter Dozier was once a guy who was considered part of the rebuild, part of what's next. He, he could be a, a third base in the future. He's not that anymore. He does not need at-bats on this team blocking Bobby Witt. He does not need ABs on this team blocking Michael Massey. He does not need ABs on this team blocking Nate Eaton. It is not a need for the Kansas City Royals. Also, Ken Rosendahl was tweeting that the White Sox have expressed interest in Nicky Lopez. And guess what? Nicky Lopez is a fan favorite. Nicky Lopez, the guy, is incredible. He's a fantastic person. But he's probably a utility infielder. That's probably his career now. And while he had a great season in Kansas City, I believe during the Rona year, He's just a utility glove. Do you know what the Royals need to do? I don't know if they will, but there are rumors they get rid of him. Open up more space for Michael Massey. Open up more space for Nate Eaton. Because J.J. Piccolo, with these moves and with these rumors, appears to have a vision for the 2023 Royals, and it's young. And it's getting the young guys ABs. It's a restart. But not a true restart. They're not restarting the same way the 06 Royals had to restart with Brandon Duckworth out there because they didn't have any prospects to note. It's a restart with young guys that you have hope in. MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, Nick Prado, Drew Waters. These are people their belief in can be really good players for the Royals. I'm one of those people that believes those players can be really good for the Royals. Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch, the, the names go on and on and on. This is basically J.J. Piccolo with a restart. He's wiped the slate clean and said, this is what I believe the team is going to be in 2023, and let's see who's good enough for 2024 and beyond. Because if some of these guys in their second season or first full season in the majors start looking like dudes, and Royals fans are going to look around and go, this is Moustakis 2.0, this is Hosmer 2.0, this is a young guy coming up the ranks, and he's been on the team, and I like him, and that's what this team needs. They don't need the Wilson Betamites of the world blocking Mike Moustakis. That was a Dayton thing. And we need a few more at-bats down the minors. Nope. It is a commitment to youth, and I respect it. Josh Furnier, 6'10 Royals insider, was on the drive about an hour ago. So if you're listening an hour ago, congratulations. Thanks for listening. You get bonus Rob, or as you'd call it, a nightmare. But he said this about what the Royals are selling in 2023. Uh, selling new. Which you're right that that's a that that top to bottom that's what the Royals are selling this offseason is our pitching development everything is new. Well, the only thing that I care about is how about wins? You know, wins are new. Wins are what we're hoping for, and I, I think the whole pitch uh, that we're going to hear this offseason will, will maybe carry uh, into the first two weeks of the season. If the team doesn't win, then whatever they're selling, uh, the few people that are tuning in are are, are going to tune out. 
I get what Vern's saying. And yeah, maybe Joe Fan. I'll use my, my parents' example. They like the Royals. They don't love the Royals. They love when the Royals are winning. But they're not, you know, day in, day out grinders with the Royals. And there's no problem with that. I think Joe Fan won't buy what the Royals are selling if they start losing. But I don't think they're going to win in 2023. But I think what they're selling you is, whoa, watch out. 2024 is special. Because they're not going to have a super expensive club, especially if they're able to shed Lopez and shed Dozier, although I think they'd have to eat some money in the Dozier contract. That's neither here nor there. If they're able to shed more money, they can be cheap and show off these young players that are cost-controlled assets they have under control for the foreseeable future. I think February of 24, you might hear a little buzz in Kansas City because maybe then the free agent moves you make are complimentary to your young stars as opposed to just moves for the sake of moves. No offense to Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarborough. I believe they're kind of in that vein. They can be more than that. And I hope they are for the Royals. But generally speaking, the Royals offseason had not create much buzz in town. But next year, True Wars looks like a real deal guy. If Brady Singer takes another step forward, if Bobby Witt becomes a star, if MJ Melendez keeps hitting prodigious homers, if Vinny Pasquantino's personality matches his output, Ooh, Kansas City is going to be excited about baseball in 2024 because you don't have to go the offseason being like, all right, do we have a, a first baseman? No. You can say, here's where we're weak. Here's where we're trying to get done. Let's get back to winning ways. Do you know what it sounds a lot like? The Cleveland Guardians. This is what the Cleveland Guardians do. And you know John Sherman came from that tree for, I don't know if owners have trees the way coaches do, but we'll call it the ownership tree. And this is very Guardians-esque. And maybe a step back, in 2024, or 2023, excuse me, but I think the Royals offseason right now is shedding some players, creating opportunity for young guys in 2023, and hoping in 2024 they have known commodities that they still have under club control. Well, as I mentioned, Dusty Likens out tonight. He'll be back tomorrow with After Hours and Arrowhead Pride Radio. I am Rob Brenton. You can catch me on the drive Every weekday, 2 to 6 on 610 Sports Radio. Today, you get bonus Rob, a bonus hour of me taking you up until 7 o'clock where the Tang Gang and pregame gets you started for K-State and the Iowa State Cyclones. All right, I've done 15 minutes of baseball. We're good on that for the rest of the show. Coming up next, the AFC Championship Games in Kansas City and the Chiefs and Bengals are rivals, and I love it. That's next here on After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back into After Hours. I am Rob Britton, filling in for Dusty Likens today. Dusty back tomorrow. Arrowhead Pride Radio at 6 o'clock with he and Pete Sweeney. They'll get you ready for the AFC Championship game. And then... Two more hours of Dusty Likens on After Hours, but he is off today as there's only a one-hour show, so I stuck around from the drive. Taking you up until 7 o'clock for K-State pregame. Wyatt Thompson and co. get you ready for K-State and Iowa State. Tang Gang, number five team in the country. Could be a onesie in the NCAA tournament taking on the Iowa State Cyclones right here on 610 Sports Radio. Well, speaking of things happening on 610 Sports Radio. The AFC Championship game is around the corner. You can hear that on our sister station, 106.5 The Wolf. But pregame and postgame right here on 610 Sports Radio. Sunday, 5.30, Chiefs and Bengals. I don't know if you guys have heard. I might be breaking news to some people. The AFC title game is at Arrowhead Stadium for a fifth 
consecutive season. Just something that sometimes the Chiefs fan got to look back and think, whoa, they're doing things Bill Walsh's Niners didn't do. They're doing things Jimmy Johnson's Cowboys didn't do. They're doing things Belichick's Patriots didn't do. It's insane. Chiefs fans, myself included, are spoiled. We are a lucky group. But I'm not here to talk about luck and happiness and how it's so much better to be a new money Chiefs fan than it is an old school Chiefs fan. I'm here to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs opponent on, on Arrowhead on Sunday. The Cincinnati Bengals, who I would say have become into public enemy number one in Kansas City. And they have been public enemy number one in Kansas City for about, mm, when did they play that game in Cincinnati last year? It would have been January 1st, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day of 2022. So we're at just over 12 months. They have been the biggest pain in the Chiefs, the biggest thorn in their side, the biggest problem fans have with an opponent. It's because they go out and say things like this. It's from NFL Films, I I believe. This is them on the sideline in Orchard Park in Buffalo while they're giving the Bills the beats. They're talking about this. We'll see y'all in Burrowhead. We'll see y'all in Burrowhead. Now, I saw this come across social media last night on Twitter, and I was, I hit like on it, but the new algorithm, mostly to keep an eye on it so I could pull it for this show. But man, were Chiefs fans heated. Chiefs fans did not like the idea of the Bengals calling Arrowhead Burrowhead. They really hated this. We'll see y'all in They are big mad. And now I understand why they're mad. I think Burrowhead is a little bit silly, despite the fact Burrow's 1-0 and in Arrowhead and the one being the most important game of the season last year for the Bengals or for the Chiefs. I still think Burrowhead is silly, but I guess if you're 1-0 somewhere, you can talk trash, whatever. I'm not going to tell you when you can and can't talk trash a professional athlete. If you want to talk about it being Burrowhead, whatever. I think it's a little bit corny, but whatever. But that cut, combined with Joe Burrow after last year's regular season game, smoking a stogie and doing the gritty after the AFC Championship game last weekend on the stage with the AFC title trophy and smoking the cigars and showing up the stadium in the, you know, I have to be professional here. He was in a fur coat, not a big, stupid fur coat that looked bad on him, but professional. It was just a fur coat. Wearing the, I believe, Versace sunglasses. I don't know. I'm not hip and current with up-to-date fashion designs. Stunner, but I'm not that. The Bengals are the perfect villain for the Kansas City Chiefs. And that villain has ascended them to rival. Because I am a firm believer, professional sports rivalries, and to an extent, college sports rivalries, are all based on success. Because let's be honest, the people that really hate the Broncos and the Raiders and the Chargers are old school Chiefs fans like me that have been around for 20, 25, 30 years or beyond, 40, 50, 60, what have you. You hate them from back in the day. You remember Marty with Raider Week. I loved Raider Week. It was a big deal in Kansas City. Beat the donkeys. You want John Elway, he called timeout. He was whining. It's too loud. Those are the Chiefs rivals back in the 90s and before, and fans, they hated those teams, but they never really beat those teams in big moments. I know they beat the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl where they won in Super Bowl four, but generally speaking, they annoyed Elway, and then Elway would beat them. 
The Chargers were never really an issue until they had Phillip Rivers, and then Phillip Rivers beat them. Phillip Rivers didn't go on doing anything else, but he beat the Chiefs. You know, Raider week was awesome, but it wasn't like beating the Raiders ever ended up in a Super Bowl. And then once the Raiders hired Gruden, Gruden 1.0, Gruden was starting to beat the Chiefs, and the Chiefs weren't that team anymore, and the Raiders were going to the Super Bowl. Now they got smoked by the Bucks, but they still are that team. Pro rivalries are built on winning. And that's why I think the Bengals have ascended to be the Chiefs rival. Because what they have done is they have beaten the Chiefs and they've flexed, they've gloated, they've celebrated, they've taunted while doing it. They've let you know I've be- I'm beating you. They let you know, hey, I'm better than you. They aren't humble. I know Chiefs fans don't like the Bills or like Bills fans, and that's fine. But generally speaking, the Bills and Chiefs, there's mutual respect. There's a, hey, you guys, that time, we're going to get the next time. It, they shake hands at midfield. I mean, it's, even the Allen-Mahomes thing, they seem more like friends in the offseason than enemies. And not that Burrow and Mahomes can't be friendly. It just seems different. It just seems like there's a different energy. Eli Apple last year was tweeting and texting and doing all this stuff after the win and Chiefs fans couldn't stop talking about him. I mean, this was Tyree Kill after he had been traded to the Dolphins. Eli's apples talking was still stuck in his craw. Are we play on primetime that week? <laughs> I didn't even know that. Amazon Prime. Are we play on Amazon Prime? <laughs> oh, that's going to be lit right there. I ain't even know that for real. So, but, yeah, we're looking forward to the Who we play? Bengals. Looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be fun, you know. And I can't wait to go against Eli Apple, man. I owe you, boy. I owe you. I'm here. The cheetah is here. Eli Apple had Tyree Kill on a different team shook. Imagine how Chiefs fans felt. The Chiefs fans and their players look at the Bengals as the biggest rival, the biggest threat to the Chiefs. And let's be honest, it's great. It's awesome. I love it. Sign me up for more of this. As long as it doesn't get dirty or cheap shot or any of that, which I don't want any part of that. I don't think anyone does on either side. As long as it's just a war of words and some taunting and some dancing and some look at us sign me up for that because let's be honest pro rivalries and to an extent college rivalries are more fun when the teams are winning because as a KU basketball fan I obviously don't like K-State which will be on here in half an hour on 610 Sports Radio I obviously don't like Missouri but you know what was more fun this year those games because there's a little extra juice Mizzou thought they were going to do something this year that game had extra juice K-State's a fantastic basketball team. They're a top five team in the country. That game was down to the wire. It was what a rivalry game should be. The game had more juice. K-State fans, be honest with yourself. You might not fear Lance Leipold and KU football, but there was a part of you that was like, oh, this is a game again this year when Lance and Co. went to Manhattan. I know it didn't end as a game, but you're like, oh, this, this is what a rivalry should feel like. You don't get that when one team's thumping the other up and down the field. The reason that Auburn and Alabama hate each other is because, generally speaking, there's a game. Now, recently, I don't really feel like a rivalry because Bama walks in there and <laughs> spanks them. But you know what? That's not what Chiefs Bengals is. Chiefs Bengals has been three competitive games. The game last year, literally down to the wire, ended basically on a goal line not so stand by the Chiefs defense. Ref aided by Carl Sheffers, doesn't matter. The Chiefs gave up a goal line touchdown, they lose. AFC title game, big comeback by the Bengals, but it was a game-winning kick in overtime that beat the Bengals, a three-point win. This year, Harrison Bucker missed the kick. 
Bengals ice out the clock. They win by three over the Kansas City Chiefs. These games are close. These games are competitive. And the rivalry is fun. And I, for one, am a huge fan of it. I know Chiefs fans hate the Bengals. I don't like the Bengals. There's something about Joe Cool that I just dislike. I remember when he was in college, LSU, I was reading all the message boards and, you know, A&M fans and Arkansas fans and Tennessee fans, SEC fans were like, I hate this guy. And it was from afar. I was like, what's there to hate? He's like a fun guy. Smoking cigars, doing the gritty, having a good time. Now he's doing it. I get it. I get where you were, Arkansas fans. I get it. I understand why you dislike it. The NFL is elated for this, and Chiefs fans be elated for this. This is fun. We tried for too long to make Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Andrew Luck, whoever may have you, that Peyton Manning to Mahomes Brady, or they're the Brady and Mahomes. doesn't matter. We have it in Joe Burrow, but it's new and it's fun because it's not two guys that respect each other and are friends because Peyton and Brady are friends. Burrow and Mahomes might be friendly, but the Bengals and Chiefs don't get along, and I love it. Sign me up for more rivalries. And the Bengals keep winning their division. The Chiefs keep winning theirs. We're going to get this matchup going forward. Love it. Love, love, love it. Well, as I mentioned, I'm Rob Brenton filling in for Dusty Likens tonight. This is After Hours, taking you up until Kansas State pregame, which takes over here in half an hour. Cats and Cyclones, the Tang Gang, like I mentioned, top five team in the country, taking on the Cyclones here at 7 o'clock pregame at 7 o'clock on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up next, though, Bonus Rob, everyone's favorite. I'll talk about the line, and we've seen a lot of movement. Alex Gold been tweeting about it. Everyone's been tweeting about it. The line opened, Chiefs two and a half, and now the Chiefs are getting two and a half, not giving. We played a cut earlier today. We'll hear what Nick Costos had to say earlier on the drive about that movement. Plus, Mayor Quentin Lucas was on the drive earlier today, and he said something interesting because it doesn't seem like this neutral side story wants to go away just quite yet. That's next. This is After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back to After Hours. I am Rob Britton filling in for Dusty Likens. Dusty back tomorrow after hours, 7 to 9 here on 610 Sports Radio. You'll also have Arrowhead Pride Radio tomorrow with one Peter Sweeney. Getting you ready for the AFC Championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Peter Sweeney can also be heard tomorrow on the drive from three to four. As I mentioned, I'm Rob Brenton filling in for Dusty Likens. They taking you up until seven o'clock. So just one hour of show today as we get ready for Kansas State basketball cats and cyclones pregame starting at seven here on 610 Sports Radio. Wyatt and the boys get you ready for Kansas State. A top 10, top 15 matchup, excuse me, between Kansas State and Iowa State. No days off in the Big 12. None. Zip, zilch, zero, nada. Might talk a little hoop later. Get about, what, 20 minutes up the show? 20-ish minutes? Yeah, we'll talk a little hoop later. A little Big 12 hoop. I, know, I feel like the AFC Championship games really, really put cast a shadow over a really good conference play. Maybe we'll just see if there's time. Who knows? Speaking of the AFC Championship game, for those of you who live on the Kansas side, you may be monitoring the gambling lines. For the people that I interact with on the Kansas side, you guys all monitor the gambling. Every time I go to a bar or a restaurant, someone seems to find me like, hey, I gambled on this game. Am I wearing a sign? I don't know. It happens a lot. I was at restaurant week last week, and I was like, hey, I can't believe that game was that close. What, what side did you bet on? Okay, stranger, thank you for coming over to my dinner, but here's what I did. So people on the Kansas side, clinched in the gambling. For those who were, 
This Chiefs line opened when the Bengals had beaten the Bills at Chiefs a minus one and a half, minus two in spots. They were the favorite, kind of the home field advantage bump. That was the general rule thought. But lo and behold, 72 hours later or 48 hours later, whatever, we've seen a lot of line movement, a lot of public money. Public money pouring in on the Bengals and currently... If you open your FanDuel app, the official sports book of 610 Sports Radio, and you look at it, you know what you might see? The Bengals are now one and a half, two, or two and a half point favorites, depending on where you get your bets. Nick Costos was on the drive. We asked him, why on earth has the line swung four points in 48 hours? The health of Patrick Mahomes, obviously, that has driven Cincinnati out to be a favorite. And also, you know, Cincinnati, it is worth noting, this will be the fourth time in like a calendar year that these that these two teams have played. And since he's won the first three. So I think that kind of gives you both the organic interest that might have been there in Cincinnati anyway, plus the uncertainty about Mahomes and the high ankle sprain. Get Cincinnati out to this point now. My sense is, is that this would not go farther than Cincinnati minus two and a half unless we have information that like Mahomes is like really going to be severely limited or he may not play in the game, in which case this will definitely go to three or go through three. But if Mahomes is going to play in the game with the high ankle sprain, and, I, and Andy Reid said this one is not as bad as the one that he suffered in the season opener in 2019 against Nick Foles and the Jaguars. The next week, Mahomes threw for 443 yards against the Raiders. Then in week three, threw for 373 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, if Mahomes is going to play in the game, and like the high ankle sprain is going to be what we think it is, and it's nothing more than that, then I think Cincinnati being favored, I think it's fine. And like there's not a huge difference, right, between Kansas City minus one and Cincinnati minus two in a game with a total in the high 40s. It's essentially still pick the winner of the game. Carrington, where we would get to a point where I would think it's nuts would be Cincinnati minus three, in which case I would be interested in Kansas City plus three. Now, I am not a gambling expert. Alex Gold, who you're on Cody and Gold and host of that betting show here on 610 Sports on Thursday nights at 7, is in fact a gambling expert. So take this note, take this advice with an absolute grain of salt. I'm not losing while betting, but I'm not exactly, I haven't changed tax brackets based on my gambling. But 85% of the public money is coming in right now on the Bengals. The general rule of thumb is Always, always bet the opposite way of the public. The public is not usually the move. It is sometimes, but usually when the public zigs, you should zag. And with 85% of the public money coming in on the Bengals, you know what I'd be without a Chiefs fan? Happy. Now, I understand the game being played and the way it's bet are totally different things. I know, I know Chiefs fans would be upset with a loss no matter what, but if, you know... The Chiefs lost, but covered. I don't think Chiefs fans are like, well, at least there's that silver lining. I understand that. But with the line being so small, one and a half, two, two and a half, that's essentially a pick em. because it just is what it is. That's basically a pick em of that razor thin of a number. You heard Nick Costa say it there in the cut. It's basically a pick em. So considering it's basically a pick em, and the public is thinking, here come the Bengals. Here comes Joe and the boys back to Arrowhead to do it again after walloping the Bills up in Orchard Park. I would have a quiet confidence as a fan. As a better on the Kansas side, I might put a few dollars on the Chiefs because, like I said, zig when the public zags. I remember earlier this year, there was a game. It was Vikings and Cowboys. And the Vikings were coming off that big win in Buffalo, ironically enough. Remember the game where Justin Jefferson had the amazing catch and then the Vikings got stuff at the goal line and the fumble and 
for those of you who follow the NFL, you know what I'm talking about. Vikings and Bills is an incredible game. The ensuing week, they were coming home against the Cowboys. The Vikings, I believe, were top the NFC North at the time. They had just beaten the big bad Bills on this incredible moment. Everyone was like, here we go. And they were home underdogs to the Cowboys. And the general sentiment was, huh? The Vikings are clearly better. They're at home. It's, I believe it's a Sunday night football game. Everyone was like, huh? So a lot of the public money came in flowing on the Vikings. I didn't do that. I zigged when the public zagged. I said, okay, Vegas knows something. Vegas doesn't build those casinos off losses. What do they know that I don't know? FanDuel knows something because even with Minnesota's big win at the time, they were making the Cowboys a favorite. Something is amiss. Something is amuck. On our group text, I even said that. And Alex Gold said, yeah, this is where you zig when the public zags. So you know what I did? I threw a little bit of money on the Cowboys. And if you'll recall, the Cowboys just embarrassed the Vikings. I believe it was 41 to 7. Just humiliated Skull. Just nothing. Now, I don't think it's to that extreme, but you are seeing the public money right now on the Cincinnati Bengals. And like I said, zig when they zag. I'm not, I'm not a gambling expert, but that's that's my hint, hunch. That's my vibe right now. Zig when they zag. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC Championship game, I would love to talk about the actual game, the entirety of this show, but it just seems like the neutral site story won't go away. Peter King, football morning in America, or Monday morning quarterback, excuse me, he's on Football Night in America on NBC, he does Monday morning quarterback, wrote about how this is going to be something that gets discussed at the owners' meetings. I know it didn't happen this year, but the idea of a neutral site championship game could be a thing in the future. Now, we didn't get the trial balloon, thank goodness, for the Bengals to have us avoid the trial balloon the NFL could have tried out, but it doesn't mean the idea just died. The owners will meet after the season. I imagine behind those closed doors, this idea will be discussed. I don't know if it comes to a vote. I don't know if that vote passes. There are a lot of steps along the way, but you'd be foolish to think this story is just gone forever, especially concerning, as Peter King noted, the conference championship games being a neutral site makes a lot of money for the owners. And do you know what the owners love? Like everyone, I'm not villainizing the owners. Do you know what they love? Money. You never never heard a billionaire say, I'm good. I'm I'm happy with this amount of money. I can't I can't possibly want another path to more money. Nope, they want more. And neutral site games create opportunity to sell to home fans, road fans, those allotments sell out. And they sell corporate suites and corporate tickets. And that's where the big money is. And you don't see a dip in television ratings under neutral site games. So the owners are at least aware of these stats. And I imagine it will be discussed at the owners meeting. Mayor Quentin Lucas, the mayor of Kansas City, Missouri, a state where you can't gamble to connect the dots there, was on the drive earlier today. He was asked, hey, if the AFC Championship game was at a neutral site and not in Kansas City, which is a potential possible who knows in the future, what would that mean financially for the impact on this city to not have it hosted at Arrowhead? From a money perspective, I mean, it's kind of night and day. While we understood why the NFL was going to put the game in a neutral site if we were playing Buffalo, that was probably going to have us losing up to about $15 million for businesses right here in Kansas City. So you get that business generation in our city. Our bars will be full. Our restaurants are full. Hotels are full because lots of folks are coming here. Not just sports media to cover it, but Cincinnati has a fan base that will travel well. Although I'm going to get on y'all if you sell all your tickets. Don't do that on my Arrowhead ticket holders. But nonetheless, right, that's a lot of what 
we're looking forward to. And then you're right, from a brand perspective, I mean, I, I visited with the President of the United States a few weeks ago who's talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. You have every American business leader, others know what's going on, and really get to see that this is a major league city in a number of different ways. Because the shots that they take aren't just at Arrowhead Stadium and the crowds out there and the tailgating, which are exceptional, but it's also downtown, the country club plaza. It's people getting to see what this city is all about. $15 million. It's a big deal for the city. I know the city is celebrating. They're getting the World Cup, which will be a big financial win for the town. I, I understand that a regular Chiefs game also brings in those things. I understand the playoff games bring in those things. But I hope in some capacity, may not literally Mayor Lucas, but people around the city, people around cities that have NFL teams across the United States, local politicians sit down with their local owner and say, hey, listen, I know it's great for you. I know it's great for your business to make all this money, but it's great for my city to get to host this, especially see like Kansas city because they're not going to get a super bowl unless they get a roof. There's not Minnesota had a, a dome stadium. They've had one super bowl since they built that stadium. You know, Miami is going to get the super bowl. LA is going to get the super bowl. You know, it's not Seattle, Kansas city. And there is a financial impact, a financial gain. The city has by hosting this. I'm not going to talk about the literal on the field reward, but I hope local leaders for what all these NFL cities sit down with these owners before they head to the owners meeting and say, Hey, it's a great windfall for you, but I don't need LA or Indianapolis or these cities getting another event that I don't have a chance at. Please protect things like this. And obviously the on the field thing goes without saying, but $50 million, that's, that's notable for a weekend in Kansas City. There's a boom there, and I hope the NFL looks past the money and protects this thing. I'm terrified they won't because historically they have taken the money path, but I really hope they don't. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll put a bow on this thing, getting ready for K-State and Iowa State pregame here in about 15 minutes on 610 Sports Radio. You know what? We're going to have about five, six minutes last Next segment, we'll look a little Big 12 hoop, which will make me sad because Kansas keeps losing. That's next. This is After Hours. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Welcome back to After Hours. I am not Dusty Likens. Dusty back tomorrow. I am Rob Britton. You can catch me usually producing The Drive 2-6 to six right here on 610 Sports Radio. And I guess I should promote the Nutmeg Podcast, which will be coming back very soon as Sporting Casey's right on the corner. But I am filling in for Dusty Likens today, taking you up until 7 o'clock. So about 7, 8, 9 minutes here until K-State pregame gets you ready for Kansas State and Iowa State. Big top 15 tilt between the Cyclones and the Wildcats. I got about four minutes, five minutes of show here. So let's talk a little Big 12 hoop because it has been overshadowed by the AFC Championship game for good reason. I am not saying, can you believe this? Why is the AFC Championship game taking up all the airspace? No, I understand it. And basically it's become what happens in Kansas City. It used to be, oh, like Martin Luther King Day, Chiefs losing the playoffs, Big 12 basketball cranks into high gear. Remember, KU Oklahoma was a late January tilt. It was number one versus number two in the country. It was the biggest story in this city. 
That wouldn't be the case with these modern Chiefs because the Chiefs are always in the AFC Championship game, and they're always hosting it. That's what they get to do every year. But Big 12 hoop continues to go on and on and on, and I know Big 12 fans say this every year, so it becomes like Groundhog Day. Oh, here they can say it again. But the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball this year, and I think what you're noticing if you watch Big 12 basketball, which you should be because college basketball is really good this year. I know the, the, I was talking about the boss earlier. He's down on college basketball, has been down on it for a while. And I get why the shot making isn't as good as the NBA. And I get all that. But nowadays, the NIL and things like that, people are staying for longer and it's making the sport better. And when people stay for longer, you get more villains and heroes and you get more Leitner era type college basketball feel. You get more Hansborough-era college basketball-type feel, which when college basketball was at its best, it wasn't at its best the one-and-done era. We saw incredible talent. Zion Williamson was awesome. But he didn't move the needle in college basketball because it's one-and-done, and now he's a pelican. Everyone was watching to see what the next wave of talent was. It wasn't true love for college basketball. I think college basketball is back, so you should be watching college basketball. And if you are, you've noticed the Big 12 has basically all the ranked teams in the country. Iowa State's ranked. Kansas is ranked, despite three state losses. Baylor is ranked. Kansas State is ranked top five in the country. They are sensational this year. I believe Texas is still ranked. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, these are good teams. This is as good of a conference as we've ever seen in college basketball, and I highly encourage local people to start watching because it's the not-so-distant future that the Big 12 tournament comes to Kansas City, and it's going to be a super hot ticket. And I encourage you to get down there and see a game. You're going to see high-level NCAA tournament quality teams basically every session, every night. It's not just the Kansas and Iowa State Invitational. It's not just Iowa State comes down and drinks our bush light for a weekend and heads back to Ames. It is going to be sensational basketball. And I know it's a lot of previewing ahead, and you're like, well, that's two months away, Rob. But the, super, the ASC Championship games this week, it's a bye week next week. The Super Bowl is, what, the 12th? Then you look up, it's President's Day. Next thing you know, it's the first weekend of March, and T-Mobile Center is packed to the gills. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be sensational basketball. And honestly, tonight's game between K-State and Iowa State, I'm really excited for. Jerome Tang has cemented himself not only as the best coaching hire from the last cycle, he might be the best coach in college basketball right now. He's going to win Coach of the Year. That's done. But he has taken a ragtag group of Juco kids and transfers, and he has made them a top five team. They could be a one seed. Now I want to see how the rest of the season shakes out, but Keontae Johnson is incredible. Marquise Noel might be one of the best players in the country no one talks about. K-State basketball is incredible this season, and pregame starts here in a few minutes on on 610 Sports Radio. But I highly encourage you, if you've been away from college basketball for a while, come back. You have to relearn the names, but that's fine. There's a little familiarity with the sport again. It feels more Hansbro-ish, which is when I think the sport was at its highest. At least for me as a young person. I get the Leitner era, but I just went alive. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this bonus hour of Rob Brinton. I have been Rob Brinton. I can usually be heard producing The Drive every weekday, 2 to 6 on 610 Sports Radio. Dusty Likens back tomorrow. Arrowhead Pride Radio, seven o'clock, 6 o'clock, excuse me, tomorrow, Dusty and Pete Sweeney. Then after hours with Dusty, 7 to 9 tomorrow. You can also hear Pete Sweeney on the drive tomorrow on 3 o'clock. 
I've been Rob Brenton. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy K-State. That's next.